parents have the primary responsibility of teaching their children. This message is the 10th in the series, From Me to We. The message is entitled, Help, I'm a Parent, Part 3. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, if you will, your teaching sheets as we continue our series together from me to we. And I'm talking in this particular part of the series about parenting, help, I'm a parent. And uh, you might say, well, you know what, I'm past that stage in my life, or maybe I'm not a parent. What does this have to do with me? I promise you that every adult here today, we have a responsibility to the next generation. And so we want to learn everything that we can as to how we can best invest in the generation coming behind us. So this message applies to all of us here today. There is no greater, there is no greater privilege, nor is there no gr- a greater responsibility given to a person, a family, than the raising of a child. That when a child comes into your life, you now have the responsibility for actually raising up another human being, imparting to their life something that will, they will carry with them for the rest of their life. There's no way to describe the significance, the importance, the responsibility of being a parent. And when you have a child, a child comes into your world, the challenge is you don't, you don't have an instruction manual. You don't always know exactly what to do, and you do everything you can to learn perhaps from your parents or learn from people around you. But oftentimes you feel as though, what do I do with this little human being? How do I train them? How do I raise them up? What am I supposed to do as a parent? The good news is the Bible is not silent on the subject of parenting. All throughout the pages of Scripture, as you will see about any realm of life, God has something to say about how we are to live our lives, including how to be a parent. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 6, and this is the main verse we've been using as a part of this portion of the series, this very important statement is given to us from the writer of Hebrews. The wise writer says, read it together with me aloud and loudly across campuses, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Notice that there's a commandment given to parents, and that is this, direct your children not just onto any path, but onto the the right path. It's our job as parents to know what the right path is, and then to do our job the best as we can to direct our children in that regard. And then the promise is there, when they're older, they will not leave it. That's not guaranteed that every child is going to do everything that you want them to do, but you have a greater opportunity to direct them if you invest in them wisely, invest in them the right way. I'm going to read this to you from the Passion Translation. Listen as I read. Dedicate your children to God and point them in the way that they should go. And the values they've learned from you will be with them for life. Again, we see this this call, dedicate your children to God. Why is that important? Because we have to remember that our children really do not belong to us. They actually belong to God. And so we are given the responsibility for a period of time to steward them, to take care of them, to provide for them. But they really belong to God. And so we're to dedicate our children to God and then again, point them in the way they should go. And the promise, again, in this particular translation says, the value values they've learned from you will be with them for life. You can count on the fact that what you impart to them can make a difference in the way that they actually live their lives. So far in this portion of the series, we've been talking about some of the principles that allow us to point our children in the right way. We talked about knowing the goal of parenting. You can't parent well unless you know what parenting is all about and how God has called you to parent and what the goal of parenting is. What's the bullseye of being a parent? 
We talked about the importance of addressing and improving your parenting style, that every parent has a style. You need to know what your style is and adjust your style so it reflects the style of the Heavenly Father. We talked about last weekend developing a relationship with your children, that rules without relationships create rebellion, and so you need to have a relationship with your child and, and the value of that. We talked about affirmation, how to do that with your children, how to do that in any relationship, and we talked about the engagement process, how you stay engaged with your child. Today, I want to share with you two more principles. We'll wrap up this portion of the series next weekend with two additional ones, but two today that we'll talk about for the next few moments. How do you point your child in the way that they should go? And the first thing I'd like to share with you today is this truth. You've got to take time to teach your children. I think sometimes when it comes to teaching, we have this tendency to relegate that, delegate that to the school system or the community around us. But I want to remind you today, if you're a parent, you're called to be a teacher. Every parent is called to teach their child. In Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, we find these words, and while they're addressed to children, they give us information about what we're to do as parents. Listen to what it says, pay close attention, my child. So it's again talking to children, to your father's wise words and never forget your mother's instruction. What should a father have? Some wise what? Words. And what should a mother give? And mothers are very good at that, aren't they? Okay. And every child needs to learn to listen, and fathers need to learn to speak wise words into the lives of their children, and their mothers give instruction. It goes on to say here, you'll see the promise associated with with this, for their insight, the insight of your father, the insight of your mother, will bring you what? Success. If you pay attention, if you get insight from your father, insight from your mother, you're going to be successful, adorning you with grace-filled thoughts and giving you reins to guide your decision. Every parent is called to be a teacher. The best person to teach your children is not to delegate that out to someone else. It is your responsibility as a parent to do so. And there's certain things that you're responsible for teaching your children. I'm going to share with you 11 things that you are responsible for teaching your child. Actually, there's going to be 12. The last one is not on your notes. I'm going to give it to you and not even charge you for it today, okay? It's going to be free of charge. There'll be an additional one you'll add to your notes here in just a moment. What are these 11 things first that we'll look at? The first thing you need to teach your children would be moral and ethical principles and values. What is right morally and ethically? What are the principles to live by? In other words, we might say it this way. What is right And what is wrong? You need to be the voice in your child's life, helping them to understand there's a difference between what is right and what is wrong. Those lines need to be clear because you're training your child's conscience. You're helping them to develop something internally that will be the guiding mechanism for the moral decisions of their life. And so as a parent, it is now your responsibility to teach your children what is morally right and wrong, what is ethically right and wrong. You're giving them principles to live by and developing their internal sense of conscience that will guide them through life. Second of all, you need to teach them life priorities and values. What's really important in life? Your children are not going to know what's important unless you show them and tell them what's important. What's what really matters and what doesn't matter. See, for a lot of kids are growing up with false expectations about what's really important, but a good parent steps back and says, child, let me show you what's really, really important in life. Some things are important and some things are not. Some things are valuable and some things are not. And pointing them to eternal priorities and eternal values, those things that far outlast what we see and experience here 
on earth. The next one is to teach them respect for and responsiveness to authority. Where do kids learn respect first and foremost? They're to learn it where in the home. One of the problems with our culture today is that we have a very disrespectful culture. The words that we use toward one another, the language, the style, the approach that we have with people today oftentimes is very rough and profane and very hard and difficult. And people just disrespect one another all the time. And the place where real respect is taught is in the home. You need to teach your children the respect and responsiveness to authority. If they don't learn it in the home, it'll be violated beyond the home and the boundaries of the society around us. The next thing that is vital to teach your child would be what I would call life skills. This is sort of a general category. I'm going to break it down in the next several ones that I will provide for you and some specific life skills that you need, but they need to know how to live life, okay? How do you live life? What are some skills that will help me to be successful in life? And one of those skills is primary is to learn how to manage one's time and manage one's money. You know, it's your responsibility as a parent to teach your child how to manage their time and how to manage their money. Wouldn't it have been wonderful for many of you here when you went into your young adult years, had you had parents that would have shown you how to do a budget, how to actually prepare financially for what you're about to get into? What an amazing thing that would have been for you to understand finances. One of the things I'm grateful for is that my my father, when I was at a young age, taught me some things about money management, especially in relationship with God. He taught me the beginning portion of what I now refer to as the 10-10-80 principle. Say that with me, the 10-10-80 principle. He taught me the first portion of that. And the first portion of that is that my first 10% of anything I receive, where does it go? to God. It doesn't even belong to me. It belongs to God. It's not even mine, okay? And so when my father gave me my first allowance, I must have been six or seven years of age. I've told this story before, but he gave me a dime, or actually he gave me 10 pennies. And along with 10 pennies, he gave me an envelope of church envelopes that I was to use that every week when I received my allowance of 10 cents from him, I was to take one penny out of that 10 cents and put it in the church offering and take it to church with me me that next Sunday and give it to God. I will have to tell you, I was not happy about that. Because back in those days, this will certainly date me, but back in those days, I could go to the corner store and for one penny, I could buy a piece of bubble gum. At the right store on the right day, I could get two pieces of bubble gum. So I felt like God was stealing my bubble gum. Okay. But he was teaching me a principle that my first 10% of everything that came my way didn't even belong to me. It went through me back out to God again. And so I learned that principle. And then I've come to learn over the years, the next 10% you need to save, you need to put away, that you need to have it ready for a rainy day and learn to live off the 80%. Amen? Uh, That is adjust your lifestyle. So you're living off of 80% of your income, giving your first 10% to God, the next 10%, putting it away for the rainy day and learning how to manage your life, manage your time manage your money. Where will your, chil- will your children learn this? They will learn it or not learn it based upon whether you teach them or you fail to teach them. The next life skill is decision-making skills, how to make good decisions, how to weigh pros and cons, and how to invite God into the decision-making processes of your life and understand the consequences of decisions that you make and the impact that it has upon your life and people around you and understand decision-making skills. It is vital that you help your child understand something about that. Then work ethic. Children need to understand that work, work creates success. Amen? The only place that success comes before work is in the dictionary. 
Real work is what produces success. And your child needs to understand that if I will invest myself in healthy work and healthy, diligent labor, then there'll be a reward for me. God has set it up that way. And so they learn the importance, the value of some kind of work ethic in their life. Another life skill is this skill of spiritual, mental, and emotional health principles and practices. How do I stay spiritually healthy? How do I stay mentally healthy? How do I stay emotionally healthy? And so training our children in how how to handle their emotions, how to handle their relationship with God, how to handle their thought processes, how to adjust the way that they think so that they're thinking in a healthy manner. Who's going to teach them that kind of thing? It is the parent's responsibility to be engaged in the process of training and teaching this. We're not perfect at it, but it is our responsibility. Then communication and relationship skills. Your children need to understand how to communicate, how to relate. I'm telling you, this starts at a very early age. You take a two-year-old, they need to understand something about relationship skills even. It may be very simple, very juvenile in what they understand, but they understand that I'm not the center of the universe, that there are other people around me, and that what I do impacts other people, and so they begin to learn relationship skills. And then also another skill is conflict resolution skills. What do I do when I have a conflict with another person? And it's not appropriate. If, if Johnny takes my, my toy away from me, it's not appropriate for me to grab a baseball bat and hit Johnny upside his head, okay? I've got to resolve things differently. I have to manage things differently. I have to work things out with other people. And so you teach and you train these kind of things in your children. And then, of course, attitude development and attitude management to help your child understand that attitude will take you to your altitude. And your altitude in life is determined by your attitude in life. And to help them to adjust attitudes in such a way that their attitude will take them to the highest levels of living that God ordained for them to live in. There's one more I told you that I will give you. It's not on your notes, but this is the, I'm going to really highlight this one next weekend, so I don't want you to miss next weekend for sure. But the most important thing that you will ever teach your child is the importance of a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. There's nothing, not a single one of the things that I've just mentioned to you, not a single one of them will have a greater impact upon your child's life than to teach them the value of having a personal relationship with God. And the best way that they will learn that is by seeing you having a personal relationship with God. And the value that that has in your life will make an impact upon their life as well. So parents must teach these things to their children. I want to remind you today, if you're a parent, you are the best teacher your child will ever have. Did you hear me? You are the best teacher that your child will ever have. And it's God's assignment to you as a parent to be a teacher to your children. The second thing I want to talk to you about for the next few moments is this extremely important principle. If you're going to guide your children in the right way, you have to establish boundaries and provide discipline to them. You've got to give them boundaries and you have to establish discipline in the home. What is a boundary? A boundary really is a mark between what is appropriately area of freedom and where you step beyond something that goes outside of your realm of freedom. The boundary at your house is you, you, your, your property line, that's your boundary. You, you can do the stuff you need to do within that realm, but if you cross that line, you're in your neighbor's world, okay? You've now crossed a boundary. When it comes to moral things in life, there are boundaries that say this is right, and you step over the line, it becomes wrong. And so there are boundaries of behavior, boundaries of attitude. And so boundaries are reinforced by discipline. 
The way that people stay within boundaries is they realize that if I step outside of a boundary, there are going to be some consequences that I'm going to face. If you go across your neighbor's boundary, you begin to do things in their yard, there are consequences that happen in your life. When you violate moral boundaries, you face consequences. Not God doesn't stop loving you, but you face consequences that you have to deal with in your life. And so we have to teach our children this thing called boundaries and then follow it up with appropriate Discipline. This is one of the most probably frustrating parts of being a parent. How do you deal with a child's misbehavior? How do you deal with them when they are breaking boundaries? I want to talk about something before I get into the specifics of this today and help you to understand something about boundaries and discipline. A lot of times in our culture, we have this tendency, and I think it's presented some way, sometimes this way, to, to dichotomize love and discipline. Well, I'm just going to love my child. I don't really need to discipline them. You know, discipline's too harsh. I don't, I don't, I don't like that word. And so I'm just going to, my child, my child will turn out fine as long as I just love them, okay? I'll tell you this. According to the Bible, love and discipline are not two separate concepts. They go together, okay? If you don't discipline your children, you don't love your children. Can I say that again? If you don't discipline your children, you don't love your children, okay? Because real love is connected to discipline. They're not two separate coins. They're two sides of the same coin. I want to bring this because I think our world tends to have this mindset that love and discipline, all your child needs is love. No, not all your child doesn't just need is a bunch of affirmation. Sometimes they need, they need some discipline in their life, amen, okay? And the discipline, is, as we're going to see, is something that brings training. And so we've got to break this, this mentality that love and discipline are separate, opposite sorts of things. No, they're two sides of the same coin. Let me read you a passage of Scripture that illustrates this. It's going to be on the, on the board here. I'm going to walk you through it. And the latter part of it is where I'm going to really emphasize. But I need to read all of it to bring you up to the point that I want to take some time with today. It's found in Hebrews chapter 12. It reflects on God's relationship with us and then what we learn about that in our relationship with our kids. Proverbs, uh, Hebrews, 11, uh, Hebrews 12, verse, beginning in verse 5, reading from the Passion Translation. And have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children? He said, my child. So he's talking to us as his children. Don't underestimate the value, the value of discipline and training of the Lord, okay? The Lord God or get depressed when he has to correct you. Is, don't get all upset when God begins to discipline you in some way. Don't let that happen to you. For the Lord's training for your life is evidence of His, what is it evidence of? So are you seeing that love and discipline are not two, two different things? They go together, okay? For the Lord's training or discipline of your life is the evidence of His faithful love. And when He draws you to Himself, it proves you are His delightful child. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training. For He's doing what, what any loving father does for His children. For who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? We all should welcome God's discipline as the validation of authentic sonship. For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves that we are strangers and not sons. And isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers even though they corrected and disciplined us? Then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God, our spiritual father, as we submit to his life-giving discipline. Our parents corrected us for the, sh for the short time of our childhood as it seemed good to them, but God corrects us throughout our lives for our own good, giving us an invitation to share in his 
holiness. Now, all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time, yet later it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. This is the part of the passage I want you to pay very close attention to. All these other verses have pointed us to the fact that the Heavenly Father corrects us. He does so because He loves us. Now we get to the end of this section of Scripture, and it gives us an understanding of why God disciplines us, why He corrects us. Now, all discipline seems to be more pain than pleasure at the time. That's what it feels like, that when you're going through a tough thing of discipline, it seems to hurt at the moment. It doesn't seem very pleasurable. Yet, discipline, this whole thing of discipline, it produces something. It produces a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. Here's my question for you, parent, today. Do you want your child to have transformed character so that their character reflects the character of God? Do you? Okay. That's a question you can answer if you'd like, okay? Do you want your child to experience a harvest of righteousness in their life? Do you want them to, your child to experience peace? Of course you do. We want our child to be transformed, their character transformed. We want them to live the right way, to make right choices, to do right things. We want them to find and live in peace in their lives. And the Bible says that part of our role as parents involves the discipline that produces this kind of thing in their life. It doesn't guarantee that every child is going to respond to it or listen to it, but it does set them up potentially for success, righteousness, character, and peace. Notice Ephesians chapter 6. Laying the scriptural foundation for this, we're going to get into some very practical things in just a moment. Children, he's going to talk now to children and parents, Paul does. Children, obey your parents. This is the right thing to do because God has placed them in authority over you. Honor your father and mother. This is the first of God's Ten Commandments that ends with a promise. Actually, it's the commandment that God gives us. There's a promise. Here's the promise. This is the promise. If you honor your father and mother... Yours will be a long life full of blessing. All you young folks today ought to pay close attention to that, all right? And now a word to, are you with me? Now a word to who? All those other verses we just read were to the kids, all right? Now a word to you parents. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, make them, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with the, What? Loving discipline, the Lord himself approves with suggestions and godly advice. So he says, now here's your job as a parent. Bring up your kids with the loving discipline God approves of with the suggestions and godly advice that you will add to their life. That is, be engaged in a disciplinary process with their life. Colossians chapter 3. Notice again, we're setting up the biblical foundation for this. Let the children respect and pay attention to their parents and everything for this pleases our Lord Jesus and fathers don't have unreal unreal expectations for your children or else they may become discouraged. So we see the balancing aspect of expecting the proper respect and obedience and making sure that we're handling our discipline in a loving manner. So what do we learn from this? What are the principles that we gain from these passages, passages that we just looked at? I'm going to share with you today 10 guidelines for parental discipline. These are things that I hope you'll listen to and begin to practice in your, in your family. Let me say something before we get into them, okay? As I get into some of these principles today, some of you are going to say, I'm not doing that very well. I need to get, I need to sort of tighten up the ship at home. My ship's a little loose, need to tighten it up. Let me quickly remind you that if you've had a really loose ship at home and you haven't had good discipline in your home, don't go home today and all of a sudden become General Patton. Okay? Don't do that, okay? Because if you do that, what's going to happen is you're going to set 
people up for frustration. You've got to change the culture of your family. The way you change the culture is beginning that process little by little and making the changes. So here, use wisdom as a parent as you begin this, this journey together. So let me give you these 10 things that will allow you to be a good disciplinary and appropriately in your family. Number one, you need to know age-appropriate attitudes and behavior and be realistic. You can't discipline if you don't know what the age-appropriate attitudes and behavior needs to be and be realistic about it. You can't expect a two-year-old to do what a 10-year-old does and you don't want a 10-year-old to do what a two-year-old does, right? If you expect, you set some rules in your house that the two-year-old's got to sit there for an hour still, you're going to be very, they can't do that, okay? And so you have to understand age appropriate. A lot of parents get frustrated because they haven't stepped back and thought, of, what, can they, what can this child really do at this age? What can I really expect of them? And so you've got to be aware of the age of your children and what's appropriate for them at their age. When a child gets to be into their, uh, their, their late elementary age, uh, age levels and heading into middle school and high school, there's some things you expect of them that you didn't expect of them at preschool. So you begin to make adjustments based upon where they are in their age and maturity process. All right? The second thing that you do, here's key to discipline. Create a structured home environment with clear and minimal important rules. I want you to circle two words on your notes. Clear and Minimal. I'm going to come back to the word clear in just a moment. Here's the word I'm going to talk most about right now. If you want good discipline in your family, you need to have clear rules, yes, but also minimal rules. What I mean by that is this. Don't have a thousand different rules in your house. Your kids can't remember them, okay? Even God didn't do that to us. When God was establishing the nation of Israel after they came out of the land of Egypt as slaves and God brought them to Mount Sinai and Moses goes to the top of the mountain and he has two tablets with them. How many commandments did God give? Ten. Ten commandments, okay? He says, okay, keep these ten, okay? And what you want to do in your family is establish the most minimal number of, of, of rules as possible that you can clearly communicate to your child. When our kids were growing up, one of our rules was simply this. Obey us on the first time. First time we tell you something, do it. Don't argue with us. Our expectation, here's the rule in our household. If we ask you to do something, do it the first time we ask you. Life will go a whole lot easier for you if you'll do that, Okay? Simple rule, okay? And so we had three or four rules, and they changed over time, and it's important to know what those rule, rules are and communicate them effectively to your child, but you don't have lots of different rules. Some families have hundreds of rules, it seems, in their house, and kids are always confused about what rule is being applied when. There's, there's a lack of an understanding and clarity, and so simplify the process, minimal important rules, and then make sure the attitudes and behavior boundaries are clear. Make sure that they understand what the rules are. What you might need to do, especially with younger children, is to sit them down and say, okay, mommy and daddy want to take a moment and remind you of what the rules are. Here are our top three, five rules in our family. What are they again? Let's go over them again. Do you remember? Get a big poster and put them on the refrigerator somewhere where you can go over them with your kids and you can remind them, here are the rules of our household. And also remember that those rules are going to change as your children get older. As they, get, as they mature, you're going to change that over time, but you need to make it very, very clear so they know where the boundaries are. Aren't you glad that you know where your, your property ends and your neighbor's property starts, right? It's a boundary line, and kids need to know where the boundary line is and make it very, very clear. This is appropriate, and this is inappropriate. This is right. This is now going to be considered wrong, and make it clear, as clear as you possibly can, minimal and clear, right? The next thing that's necessary is predetermined, personalized, meaningful, appropriate consequences for violating the attitude and behavior boundaries. There's a lot of words there, but every one of these words are important, okay? I can't go through all of them right now, but I'm going to give you the basic 
word that I want you to remember, predetermined. Circle that word on your notes. Predetermined, the consequences. I'll add that one to your notes as well. Predetermine the consequences. What you want to do is once you've established the boundaries, what's right and what's wrong, what's acceptable and unacceptable in your house, minimal rules, very, very clear, then you also at that time communicate to them what the consequences are going to be. Why is this important? This is important because it takes the heat out of the moment when they violate the boundary, okay? If you've had the conversation with them before, by the way, son, the next time you're playing with your brother and you don't share your toys with them, just be aware of the fact that it's a rule here in our house that we share our toys with one another. And so if you violate that rule, please know that what mommy and daddy are going to do is we're going to take your toys away from you for the next two hours. Do you understand what's going to happen to you if you do this, right? What's the rule, son? Got to share. What's going to happen if you don't share? You're going to take my toys away, okay? Now, we're going to do that all while everybody's friendly, okay? Everything's good right now, but just be aware of the fact, fact that whenever you violate that boundary, this is the consequence. Why do you do this? Because you help them to see on the front end, they get to make choices about their life, okay? They're choosing what their life is going to be, okay? And they have to choose what the consequences are going to be. And so when that happens, when, when Johnny doesn't share his toys with his brother, and there's a rule that he ought to be sharing his toys with his brother, you don't have to have some big conversation about it. What do you do then? Well, Johnny, do you remember the consequences? Yeah. You can smile and say, okay, go to your room. Okay. You don't have to have big, big argument. You don't have to have all the drama associated with it. But it simplifies everything in the family. A lot of times we have a lot of drama in the family because we haven't established the consequences of the violation of a boundary ahead of time. And then when the boundary is broken, we say, okay, this is what it is. If you have teenagers, you say, this is your, this is your curfew. If you stay out beyond this curfew... This is what's going to happen to you. These privileges are going to be taken away from you. And then when the child comes home and they violated the curfew, you don't have to have a big argument about it. You say, hand me the keys. You can smile about it. Okay. Not a big argument, but you've established the consequences. Everybody tracking with me today, all right? This stuff will change your life. It'll change your household. It'll make things a whole lot more peaceful at home. And then consistently enforce consequences when attitude and behavior boundaries are breached. The key phrase here is consistently enforce When your child violates a boundary, here's the thing as a parent, you've got to consistently enforce that. That means every time they do it, they get the consequence. See, if they do something one time and the consequence comes, they do it again, the consequence doesn't come, then they're going to be willing to gamble the next time. I'm going to roll the dice on this next behavior here because I didn't get, I didn't get it last time. I, didn't, I wasn't disciplined last time for doing this. And so if there's a consistency, it begins to adjust the behavior. And so you want to make sure that you're consistently enforcing these consequences every time that attitude is violated, that boundary is violated, it's breached in any way. This is a consistent theme. You can count on this in our family. It is predictable that if this rule is valuable, it means that each time you violate it, there's going to be a disciplinary process associated with it, your training behavior, your training attitudes as well. And then expect, expect, expect respectful and quick obedience to parental correction and instruction. That you expect to be respected when you're giving direction. I'll say this to you as you don't have to adopt this in your family, but when our kids were growing up, we taught our children that when we were communicating with them that their response to us would be yes sir and no sir yes ma'am and no ma'am they had to use the ma'am okay because we felt like that 
that little ma'am or sir, okay, communicated a sense of, okay, you're in charge. You're, you're, you have a res- I have a respect for you. And so we taught them the value of that honor. I think, by the way, it would not be a bad thing if this came back again, okay? There's a resurgence of this in our world today because I think some level of respect to your parents is, I still say yes, sir, to my dad, okay? okay? I still say yes, ma'am, to my mom. Why? Because I respect them. I have a value that I place upon them. And respectful uh, obedience and quick obedience to correction and instruction is vital for the family to function well, again, all this stuff, are you beginning to see that when you begin to do this, that, that life at home becomes much more peaceful than it is and a lot less chaotic? The next thing that is necessary is keep your, what is it? Keep your cool when correcting your child. What you want to do is you don't want your child to, to create emotional responses in you, okay? You need to stay cool in the process. You need to be very matter-of-fact when you're, when you're correcting your child. I'm not saying there are moments that you shouldn't have some level of intensity or passion, but it should never be aggressive anger toward your children, never at all. You want to keep your cool, keep your emotions managed as you're responding to them. If you're having a problem managing your emotions, step back a little bit, get control of yourself, and then address the situation with your child. But you don't want to lose, control, lose your cool when you're correcting your children. It's a very vital aspect of, uh, of parenting. And then positively reinforce obedience to the rules and respect for the boundaries. What I mean by that is this. Don't just look for when your child is doing wrong. Look for what things they're doing right, okay? And when they're doing right, positively reinforce that. Here's the thing to remember. I'll write, you might want to write this down. Celebration brings replication. Simple little phrase. Celebration brings replication. What you celebrate gets repeated. And so, in the same way that you want to address boundary violations when they're staying within the boundaries, you want to celebrate that with them because what you celebrate is replicated. They're going to continue to do that again. They're, going to, you're, they're celebrated for the right things in their life. The next one that is vital here for us is know when to tighten the rules or the boundaries and when to loosen them. The key phrases here, tighten and loosen. Explain this to you. When your child is operating in the family and they're, and they're constantly pushing up against that boundary or violating the boundary, then they're not learning the lessons, are they? Okay? And so when they're, when they're violating that boundary, a simple, clear, good rule, they keep violating it. What you as a parent realize, you guys say, okay, you know what? I need to, I need to tighten some things up here. Okay? I'm going to use an illustration. This does not relate to your children at all, so don't, don't send me an email about this. Okay? But in, when it comes to training, let's, training dogs, for example, your kids are not dogs. I'm not making that connection. Just a metaphor. I'm not connection here. Is you. That when you're first training them for obedience, you keep a short leash. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? You keep a short leash, right? Okay. Why do you keep the short leash? Because you want to teach them the proper subjection. And, so, and then once you begin to train them, if they revert in their behavior, you shorten the leash back up again to get them where they need to be. Well, in a similar way, when, it, when you think about children, sometimes you have to tighten the reins on them a bit. They're, they're, they're pushing the boundaries. And so you begin to say, you know what, son, I need to tell you, you're pushing boundaries here. And until you stop pushing those boundaries, we're going we're gonna to bring the boundaries in a little bit because you're pushing them too far here. 
Opposite of this, when they're not pushing boundaries, they're doing really, really well, okay, and they're really flowing with life and doing things well, then what you can do is you can actually enlarge the boundaries. You can loosen things up. You can give them, as we're going to see in just a moment, more freedom as a part of that. But you, as a parent, have to know when to tighten and when to loosen. Who's in charge of tightening and loosening in your home? You are as the parent, okay? And you've got to be aware of, you know what, I need to tighten up a little bit right now, or I need to loosen up a little bit right now. But, and, and no one can always tell you when those exact moments are, but, but God will help you to know when those moments are. And so you engage in that process of knowing, I need to tighten, I need to loosen, and being aware of that. Nobody does it perfectly, but at least you can be aware of this aspect of parenting and discipline. And the next one I'll share with you here, and this is the last one, understand and explain to your child the relationship between What are the two words there? Responsibility and what else? Freedom. This is key. Your child needs to go into adulthood understanding the the connection between these two things. If you want more freedom, you have to be more what? Responsible. If you're irresponsible, you lose your freedom. People in society who are irresponsible, they break the boundaries, they break the rules, they end up in prison right? Their freedom is taken away from them, right? Okay. Why? Because they're not responsible, okay? Now, the same is true on the opposite side. When you and I are responsible, then we gain more freedom. The same is true in your relationship with God. The more responsive you are to God, the more you have a sense of freedom in your life to live and serve God with joy and peace and all those things that come. And, and, and if, you, if you fight against God and you're resisting God and you're, you're, you're not responsible and responsive in your relationship with Him, then you find yourself restricted with your life. That's true in every realm of life that when you... If you want freedom, you want freedom, you've got to be what? Responsible. And so part of what you want to do with your child is over the years, as you're developing, helping him to understand, you know what? There's a relationship between your responsibility and your freedom. The sooner you can learn that the more responsible I am, the more freedom I will have, the better your life will go. It's not just a matter of disciplining them to make them feel bad for bad behavior. In fact, I'll tell you this. I've got to wrap up here. Discipline really is not for, your, for a person's past behavior. That's called punishment, okay? Punishment, you punish people for the bad things they've done. God does not have you in the role of punishing your child. You're called to discipline. Discipline is for future behavior, okay? You see the difference, okay? Punishment is for past behavior. Discipline is for future behavior. And I'll conclude with saying this. The toughest, most challenging part of being a parent is what we talked about today. Discipline will wear you out. Any parents know what I'm talking about here, okay? Can I get an amen right there? Actually, more like an oh me instead of an amen, okay? This will wear you out. This is the heart of what it means to be a parent. No, you know, feeding, clothing, and all that, yeah, that's, that requires engagement and making money and all that kind of stuff, but the discipline part of taking that child and raising a human being, okay, that's going to be a responsible human being that lives a successful life in relationship with God, that discipline, that's one of the most challenging things you will ever do, but it's one of the most important things you will ever do. Take the time to teach. You are your child's best teacher, and make sure that you understand the value of the, the combination of love and discipline, and make sure that you're adding the discipline to your love that you don't love and you don't discipline in an unloving way, but you add it to the element of love that you express to your child. Can you pray with me today? 
Father, thank you so much for your word this morning, the reminder that you've given us in this, uh, this particular series. We believe you're talking to us, Lord, as parents, where we know you love and care for our kids, and we want to be wise parents, Lord. We want to make sure that we're raising children that honor you, and so, Lord, all of us make mistakes in that journey, and we ask you to forgive us for our mistakes and help us to learn how to better do these things that we've been called to do, and I pray, Lord, that you'll You'll be with our children. We pray you'll help them to be responsive. And we pray that our homes will be filled with peace and be filled with the presence of God and be filled with children that are learning the ways of God, learning how to live their lives in a way that honors you. Lord, we thank you today for this word coming into our hearts. In Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. and You begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.